Storyside, I am so thankful that you are with us today. I'm excited about this message that our team is going to be sharing with you from the Gospel of Luke chapter number 4. I believe if you'll engage, if you'll lean in, whether that's looking at your Bible and scriptures, having your phone out, taking notes, I do believe that our experience spiritually is enhanced when we engage. Maybe you'll say things like, wow, or amen, or that's good, or that's right. And sometimes it's as simple as just an applause. But in those moments, there's something about leaning in to the life-giving Word of God that it does something on the inside of us. And that's what I'm believing for today. We are sharing this message with all of our locations. And so I am celebrating what God is doing at StorySide, the baptisms, the new beginnings, the fresh starts. And I believe that God is going to continue doing something great today. Today, we're going to be talking out of Luke chapter number four. And the heading in most Bibles would say the temptation of Christ. The very beginning of that chapter, most scripture writings would say the temptation. Everyone say temptation. Can we say that word again? Temptation. Speaking of temptation, the definition means the desire to do something wrong, unwise, or even unfaithful. I heard the joke about temptation. The man said that his wife threw a pack of turkey and threw a lighter into the shopping cart. And the man said the temptation was so strong. He shared that it was just last week that he had quit smoking cold turkey. That's not funny. That is such a bad joke. But in thinking about temptation through the lens of laughter. I also heard the joke about the woman who had cut out all sugar and sweet. She was not going to eat any donuts or muffins or cake. And one day she's driving down the road and she's passing a donut shop, Dunkin' Donuts. And she prays a prayer. She loved the Boston cream. She loved when it's full of custard and the chocolate on top. And she prayed a prayer and she said, God, God, if it's your will, if you want me to go in Dunkin' Donuts and get that Boston cream donut, then I need the parking spot right by the front door to be open and available. She later shared that she only had to circle the block six times and that parking spot was available. That's not funny. But when you look at God's word today, and in a serious sense, in a serious sense, temptation. Temptation. How does it affect Jesus? What is his response? And then what can you and I learn about the temptation that we can face even in our own personal lives? Luke chapter number four, verse number one says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. When they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, this is really important right here. If you take notes, if you underline, I want you to take note of this. Verse number three says, the devil said, if 
Notice that if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God. Now, at all locations, as we're looking at this chapter in God's word today, we're just coming out of Luke chapter number three. We're just coming out of this voice out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the very next chapter, we have the enemy trying to create confusion, trying to create chaos, even in the mind of Christ. Jesus responds in verse 4, it is written. Then the devil takes him up, shows him the kingdom of the worlds in a moment of time and said to him, I'll give you all of this authority and glory. It's been delivered to me. I give it to whom I will. If, here's the word again, if, 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 it's a dangerous word. If, you then will worship me, it'll all be yours. And Jesus said again, it is written. He took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if, if you're underlining, there it is again, if, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. It is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, continually going back to it is written in the foundation, even of scriptural faith. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Final verse. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. As our pastors shared today, as they take time to step you through temptations, as we look at these scriptures, I want you to understand right at the onset today that temptation often starts in your thoughts. That you could have a Luke chapter number three, where the writer tells us that heaven tells Jesus, you're my son. But chapter four, the devil is saying, if you are the son of God, the devil would love nothing more than to get you to doubt the promises of God, to create confusion in your life. The devil attacks Jesus from three angles here. We see in Scripture that we are warned about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We see all three of them here with the bread, the kingdom, the pinnacle. Jewish and rabbinic teachings would teach that the potential and the power for sin lies behind man's eyes. Because the devil is trying to get Jesus to look at things, to look at stuff, to create all of these if concepts, if you're the son of God, if you turn, if you do, because the devil wants you to live in confusion. He wants you and I to get caught up in the if of life. And he will use anyone and anything to try to author this confusion in your life. As our pastors, as leaders shared today, I'm asking you, as you listen to their heart about temptations and the scriptures that have been shared today, that you would also ask God in your own life, God, help me to fight against temptation. The Lord's Prayer says, lead me not into temptation. And I pray today that the word of God will be alive, that it will speak to you in this moment 
right now, and you will be able to leave differently than you came. Hello, StorySide. I am so honored to have the opportunity to speak to you today. Thankful for the opportunity from both Pastor Micah and Pastor Angel. I want to talk to you about instant gratification. We pick up in chapter 4 in Luke, verse 3. It says, as the devil said to him, he's talking to Jesus, said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written. Notice Jesus combats with scripture. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. One of the things I think we can pull from this scripture is that first, the devil appeals to the physical hunger of Jesus. We know Jesus is tired. We know he's hungry. He hasn't eaten in a long time. But also what I want to draw to your attention today is there is a spiritual implication to this scripture. We're not just addressing physical hunger, but, but the need to be satisfied in the moment. That's why we're talking about instant gratification. Instant gratification. One of my first points I want to pose to you today is that the enemy knows when you're hungry, you're vulnerable. That when you are tired, when you're hungry, sometimes we are at our most vulnerable. I know for myself personally that when I get hungry, my wife Whitney always tells me, babe, you're getting hangry, you're getting hangry. And I, if I'm not careful, I can say things that I don't mean, all because I'm hungry. But spiritually, when we are in a spiritual season of hunger, the danger is, is we can seek out instant gratification, whatever is in front of us. We see that even in Scripture, there's a story about Jacob and Esau, two brothers, that Jacob and Esau have this quarrel, and, and Esau comes back, says in Scripture, he comes back from a long hunt, and Esau is hungry. And in this moment, I want you to get this, in this moment, Esau is willing to trade his birthright or his inheritance from their father for a bowl of soup from Jacob. Can you imagine you trade your whole future for a bowl of soup? But how often do we do that? That we can trade God's best for us because of instant gratification. What we're hungry for in the moment. We can make what I would call unhealthy trades, that it just feels good to do it in the moment. It feels good, you know, to, to make that decision. And I would pose to you today that when you are hungry, you will eat almost anything. When you are hungry, you can make bad decisions. I've seen people, when they're hungry, jump into bad relationships I, I've seen people jump into financial trouble because they put it on a credit card. I've seen people jump into positions that they cannot sustain spiritually because they want the accolades and the prestige and the honor and the glory. I've seen people make wrong life decisions because they just want it now. There's an old rock song that says, I want it all and I want it 
now and how often is that true for us in our lives that when we want something now, oftentimes it's not the healthiest thing for us. The danger of the immediate and the now is it can rob you of God's blessings later. I want you to catch that this morning. The danger of the immediate and the now is it can rob you of God's blessings later on in life. There's a word in Greek, it says this, it's, it's called plesmone, and it means a filling up, a filling up. Uh, it derives from a word called pletho, which means to be full, and I would ask you this question today, what are you filling up on? What are you digesting in your life? Because sometimes, if we're not careful, we fill up on what's right in front of us because it's conveniently there. We can fill up on negativity. We can fill up on jealousy. We can fill up on lust. We can fill up on bitterness, on unforgiveness. We can fill up on an addiction that we keep going back to time and time again. In our final moment together, I would ask, what are you willing to forego on now so that you can receive later? What are you willing to forego on now? What are you willing to pass on now so that way God's blessings can be upon you later? You see, God's best is never centered around you getting everything you want right now. God's best takes time. It takes patience. It's a process. Bible talks about that he will grant you the desires of your heart, but I believe that he will only do so when your heart is aligned with his. With his. Today I would pray over you and I'm praying for you that, that you are full, but you will be filled with God's word. That you will be filled with his presence. That you will be filled with his strength Today And then ultimately, if there's any bread you choose, you will choose the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Don't settle. Luke 4, 6. To you I will give all authority and their glory. Jesus had a choice in this moment. He could have taken what the devil was offering and take the authority he was giving, or he could walk away. God's plan for Jesus was to have all authority, but in order for him to get it the right way, he had to follow God's plan and not settle. The devil will entice you to settle for subpar. When we settle, we are reaching an agreement on something, Maybe you've had an experience in your life that has caused you to settle. You had your hopes up, you were excited about something, and it just didn't happen the way you thought it would, and you settled. Settled for subpar, below average, below what's expected. Maybe you've settled for subpar in your spirituality, not making time with God a priority. Maybe you're just like, you know what? I'll wait till tomorrow. Maybe you've settled for subpar in your sewing or your giving, thinking somebody else can take care of that. I have other things that I want to pay for and I want to do. Maybe you've settled in subpar in your serving, 
thinking, you know what? They've got it covered. They don't even need me. Maybe you don't even know what gift you have on the inside of you or you don't see the significance in it and you've settled. It's so important in these moments that we keep our eyes on Jesus and don't settle. Don't settle in making it your own plan. We want God's plan. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't settle? Jesus could have said yes in that moment and got to authority quicker, but God had a plan, a plan that took longer. But in the end, Jesus chose the perfect plan, and he is now seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father with all authority. So how many of you are in the waiting process right now, waiting for what God has called you to, to come to pass? For Jesus, the will of God was worth waiting for. Psalms 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. I know I've tried to skip the waiting part, the waiting part of the plan. I'd make my own plans for me, for my husband, for our kids. I know when the kids were little, I would start doing something in the school where I would talk to the teachers and try to help them make the plan so our kids would get just the right teacher. Well, what I was doing was I wasn't trusting the Lord. There's a time to advocate for your kids, absolutely. But what I was doing in that moment was making my own plans. And I wasn't trusting God with his. Once I recognized that, well, maybe once my sweet husband reminding me that you're not God, I prayed a prayer. I prayed a prayer that I have prayed over and over and over again. I pray that Isaac and Hannah have the right teacher, that they have the right place, and they're always there at the right time. I pray that Isaac and Hannah will be salt and light everywhere that they go. I pray God's plan, not mine. Ultimately, God has called them to greater. God has a plan for their lives. He doesn't need my help in it. Isaiah 60, 22 at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. So don't settle for the wrong seat. Jesus was called to and destined for authority. So what are you destined for? Is there something enticing you that is not God's best? Has there been something keeping you from following God's plan for your life? Jesus went through the waiting process, so guess what? We're going to go through the waiting process too. So be encouraged. Don't sit too quickly. Don't sit and settle for something that you were not called to do. You are called for greatness. So keep your eyes on Jesus and don't settle. Good morning, Storyside. This morning, I want to talk with you about Miss placed worship. In Luke chapter 4 verse 7 it says, if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. We're reading in scripture here that the devil is tempting Jesus with worship. When you hear the word worship, 
what do you think of? Do you think of singing songs that Jesus do you think of a church service on a Sunday morning of lifting your hands? Do you, do you maybe even Christian music? But have you ever really stopped to think about what worship really is? I believe that everyone worships something. You don't have to be religious or go to church every Sunday or, or even be super spiritual. But I believe that everyone worships. The question isn't whether or not you worship. The question is, what or who do you worship? Because worship is simply about value. Louis Gigolo defines worship as this. He says, our response to whatever we value most in our life. This is why we all worship. We place value on something. And maybe today that value in your life is your time or your talent or even your treasure. See, worship isn't always about how well you can sing. Because if that was the case, I would never be able to worship because I can't sing. It's not about if you can play a guitar or, or be able to play the keys or any other instruments. It's not even limited to the songs we sing. This is just one of the many ways we worship. Because worship is reserved for what you value in your life. It is the thing that occupies your thoughts or, and receives the most attention. It's, it's your time, it's your talent, it's your, your treasure. Hopefully, this spot is reserved for Jesus. But maybe today it's been reserved in your life in a relationship that you've been worshiping. Maybe it's a lifelong dream or a career or a sport Maybe it's social media status or, or even wealth or success. See, this list of potential candidates could be very long, but the reality is this, is what you value most. What you value most will, re will reveal what you worship. So what do you value most? What, what do you hunger for? What are you always thinking about? What are you always planning about? What, what are you, where's all your, your treasure going? I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 63.1. He says this, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. When God is number one in your life, when God is number one in your worship, when he is number one in your time and in your talent, when God is number one in your treasure, when he becomes that, we value him the most, and that is who we worship. When our response is about Jesus, when our worship is about Jesus, we then understand where our value is. In Psalms 6, verse 3 through 5, it continues. It says, because of your love, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. And I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods. With singing my lips, my mouth will praise you. 
Remember this today. What we value most will reveal what we worship. As we get ready to close on this, I'm being reminded of when those times come, when the enemy will try to tempt you on your worship, be able to reply the same way Jesus did. In verse 8 of Luke chapter 4, he says, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. As we have been reading today in Luke chapter 4, we find Jesus is having a conversation with his spiritual enemy or his adversary. We get an opportunity to be a fly on the wall as we read these things today. And I believe that Satan's number one deception today is that he has gotten Christians to believe that he does not exist. And we see in the scripture as Jesus is having this conversation with Satan that he definitely exists. And C.S. Lewis would say it like this. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. You see, some don't believe that we are actually in a spiritual battle, but I would tell you this in Ephesians 6, 12, Paul says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And so today, I want you to recognize that number one, you are in a spiritual battle. You may not realize it, but you are in a spiritual battle. We do not have to fear because what is in us is greater than what is in the world, but we must recognize it. And number two, we need to recognize the battle is a spiritual battle. This is not a battle against your boss. I know it may feel like it at times. I know it may feel like the battle is against your wife or your husband or your children, but I want to say to you today, this is a spiritual battle that you find yourself in. In this battle, it's not necessarily going to be you wandering in the wilderness like Jesus was. Many times this battle happens in our minds. This battle will happen and show up in circumstances in our lives. And so just like soldiers that step onto a battlefield, they step on fully equipped with a weapon that can defeat the enemy. And we're going to do the same thing. We are going to take a page from Jesus' book and we're going to use the word of God. That's what he's doing in Luke chapter 4. He's fighting back with scripture because it is powerful and it is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so listen, when the enemy attacks, it's going to sound something like this. This is how you are going to fight the battle that is before you. You are going to say, you know what, I may feel like I'm a little bit depressed, but why so downcast my soul? I put my hope in the living God. And when your family is under attack, what do you say? You say, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And when you can't make it another day, you feel like I just can't get through this day, speak to that situation and say, if I do not give up, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when the diagnosis isn't good, I pray you never get one. But if there is one that comes down the line, you can say, I believe that in all things, God, they are possible through him. And I believe that by his stripes of Jesus, I am healed. And when you are not sure what you're going to do, 
When there's a lot of question marks in your life, you can say, I will trust the Lord with all my heart. I will not grow weary in doing good. For the proper time, I will reap a harvest. And I will lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways I acknowledge him. And he alone will make my paths straight. And so what are we basically saying right there to all these situations? Not today, Satan. But in order to be able to say these things, you got to have them in your heart. You got to hide these truths in your heart before they can come out of your mouth. And so my encouragement to you today is to get into the word, to learn the scripture, and to learn how to fight like Jesus fought in the wilderness. It is a battle-tested weapon. If it worked for Jesus, which it did, it'll work for you. As we continue in Luke chapter 4 today, we are picking up in verse 13, and it says, And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him who is Jesus. He departed from him until, notice that word, until an opportune time. Up until this point, we have seen the enemy's attempts to tempt Jesus from many different angles and maybe today you can relate and you find yourself in similar circumstances right now. You are currently facing temptation or you are in the midst of a temptation or maybe you have just escaped or made it through a season where you felt like temptation was very prevalent in your life. In 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 it says, stay alert Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is looking for an opportunity when we are weak. He is looking for an opportunity when we are tired. Maybe he is trying to lure us back into addictions and habits and hang-ups that we have been facing. Or he's trying to creep in desires that have been in our past that we have been trying to overcome. Maybe he's continuing to introduce thought patterns and negativity back into our lives. And something that we need to ask ourselves today is if there is a door that we are leaving open for temptation to come in. In these verses, we see that he exhausted every option that he had on Jesus. He will work just as hard to sidetrack you. If he is trying to sidetrack Jesus and he is trying to tempt Jesus and he is trying to lure Jesus away from God's best for him, he will do the exact same for us. I've heard it said that if you tell me when God permits a Christian to lay aside his armor, I will tell you when Satan has left off temptation. In other words, he's not going to stop trying. And we need to be aware. We need to be alert. As Pastor Clint mentioned moments ago, we are fighting a spiritual battle. And although this is true, although we are fighting a spiritual battle and the enemy will stop at nothing to try to entice us back into temptation and to get us to slip away from the path that God has us on, we can be encouraged by this, that the enemy has no new tactics 
no new tricks, no new schemes, nothing that he can try to entice us with. He has nothing new to bring to the table today that we have not seen in scripture, nothing that we haven't seen or experienced in our own lives. In verse 13, it actually says that he ended every temptation. He has nothing new to bring to the table. And because of this, we can be proactive, not reactive in our faith and in our lives. We can be aware. We can be alert. And I've heard it said that the enemy is not afraid of a dusty Bible. So let's lean in today and be reminded that we can put his word into action. We can hide his word into our hearts. We can use scripture as our weapon. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation. We're talking about temptation today. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When, not if, when you are tempted, he will show you a way so that you can endure. And as we're reading these verses today, we know that Jesus is in the wilderness, and it may have seemed as though he was alone, but you don't have to fight these temptations alone today. Whatever you are facing, you are not alone because Jesus is with you. We have God's word to stand on. We can be proactive in fighting these temptations. In Mark, in the book of Mark, it says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We need to keep watch. We need to be aware. We need to be alert and be prayerful so that we can fight these temptations in our lives and ultimately we can overcome. Thank you so much to all of our pastors and leaders for sharing today these angles and these perspectives and these points on temptation. When you look at these scriptures, we have heard, we see that the enemy loves to attack with if. And maybe today you would say, Pastor Micah, he's trying to plant those seeds of confusion in my mind. He's trying to get me to second guess. It's not necessarily Luke chapter 3, you're the son of God. Luke chapter 4, are you the son of God? But Micah, he's trying to get me to second guess. Does God really care? Is God really concerned? Why is this happening in my life? How come all of these things that the enemy will use to sidetrack you and I? The reality is if Satan came to Christ... He will also come to attack Christians. And this enemy who is a liar and the father of lies will use anything to cause confusion in your life. When I read these verses of Scripture, I see looking at the attack of the enemy against Christ that dry places, everyone say dry places, dry places can often expose what's on the inside of us. That when times get tough, when you feel like, Micah, everything's coming against me, dry places can often expose what's on the inside of you. Jesus modeled for us what should be on the inside of us. His spirit, 
his word. The enemy is saying, if Jesus responds, it is written. Here comes the second attack. Jesus responds, it is written. A third, it is written. The Bible says, thy word, thy word have I hid in my heart. It's so important for you and I to put on the inside of us that word of God, that spirit of God, so that when you have the storms of life, when you have attacks in your family or in your marriage or in your business, that you're able in those moments when the dry place shows up, you are able to have that substance, that content, that spirit, that scripture on the inside of you that you and I are able to respond in that same scenario, that same premise and principle, that we are able to respond with the things of God. As we get ready to pray today, maybe, maybe today you feel tempted. Maybe you feel attacked. Maybe for someone, when we're sharing today, you, you would admit that you are against if, even right now. That if is staring you right in the face. That the last few weeks or months, the enemy has been trying to get your focus off of God. He has been trying to pull you away from the promises of God. Look at these verses, and you see that Jesus relies on what he knows, not necessarily what he sees. The enemy's going to show him the stones and the pinnacle and the world and all these things, but Jesus responds, it is written, it is written, it is written, and shows you and I that we can't always gauge our life based on what we see. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, walk by faith, faith, and not by sight. And so today as we pray, maybe you're facing temptation. And could it be that someone, someone has even succumbed to temptation? Others maybe feel like you're trapped in temptation. That as you're listening to God's word, you're like, I didn't respond the way I should have. Or maybe I gave in. Or I find myself in this predicament or this place that I never imagined, Pastor Micah, that I would find myself in. However, this message speaks to your heart today. I want to remind you of a verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that says this, no temptation. Everyone say temptation. We've been talking about it today. Can we say the word again? Temptation. The Bible says no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is, I love this, God is faithful. Can we say that? God is faithful. Come on, marriage, that feels like you're facing temptation to quit or throw in the towel or walk away. Come on, parent, that's like, I just don't know if I'm feeling it like I used to, and, you know, I've been getting a little lax the last year. Come on, college student. Come on, teenager, that's feeling like the enemy is attacking me, Micah. Remind yourself today, God is 
I feel it even as I'm saying it, God is faithful. There is no temptation that's come against you that God who is faithful is not going to provide for you. The Bible says a way of escape. God is a master of getting people out. God is a master of showing up when it feels like everything's caving in. And God says, follow me. We're getting ready to come out the other side. And when I read this verse of scripture, I see an escape. I see endurance. I see that God shows up and God knows how to help, help, help every one of us. And so as we pray right now, maybe you would say, Mike, I'm trapped in sin. Others, maybe you're trapped in shame. Could you be trapped in confusion? That when I read these verses and you're thinking questions and if, and you would say, Micah, that's me. I, I, I'm stuck. And I'm reading this verse of Scripture as a declaration for all locations today. Every row, every chair. I read this verse 13 in 1 Corinthians 10 as a declaration over your life. There is no situation and no scenario that you're in right now that God can't help you to get out of. And so as you think about that, you're saying, my son, my daughter, I just don't know how to parent them. My business, my company, I don't know how to manage it. Pastor Mike, as I'm thinking about my situation, in this moment, as I pray, whether it was that sin or shame, or whether it's this situation that you feel like is so overwhelming, I want to pray about a faithful God that I have watched him move and show up over and over and over again. And I believe this faithful God is going to show up right now for you. And so I pray today. I pray today at every location. I pray for those who are on site, those who are online. I pray today, God, that you will show yourself faithful again. This first Sunday of August, 2021, show yourself faithful again today. That person who feels like, I don't know where to turn, and I don't know where to go, and I don't know what to do, and maybe that individual who feels like the enemy is in their ear trying to tell them question, confusion. I pray right now that the peace of God, I pray the presence of God would show up and remind someone, I am faithful to get you out. If it's sin, if you'll repent, I will forgive you. If it's shame, if you feel like you have lost everything, I will show up and I will deliver you. If it's that person who feels like I'm so overwhelmed that I'm running on empty, God, you said your strength would be made perfect even in emptiness. I'm asking you, faithful God, be faithful to someone today. Show your faithfulness to that person right now who is saying I'm tempted, but I know someone who has overcome temptation. His name is Jesus, and I know that he can help me today. I thank you for being our helper. I thank you, God, for helping someone right now. And I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.